welcome to Head in the Cloud. I'm your host, John Svazik. This is episode six of 2017. So on today's episode, we're gonna try to do things a little bit differently. Um, I'm not gonna be going through anything technical today. In fact, I'm gonna do two things a little different. One, this is going to be more about interpersonal skills um, and secondly, I don't really have many show notes for this one. This is more going to be storytelling time, I guess. Um, more about understanding as a security professional what it means to interact with other teams, especially when it comes to being in the cloud. So specifically, it's, it's, it's the soft skills. It's, it's, it's things that often get overlooked. Um, especially when people are migrating to the cloud. This is more aimed for these early stage startups. Maybe you're in an early stage startup. Maybe you're, uh, if you're coming from a traditional enterprise that's migrating to the cloud, most of this won't necessarily be applicable to you because you probably have already done it. Maybe you haven't, and maybe you want to uh, revisit some of those relationships that you have, or you can kind of relate to some of the things that I wanted to talk about. But in, in security, there's essentially two ways you can do things. You can be the dictator, which is very simply, no, you're not allowed to do that. No, you become the no monster. No to everything unless I say so. What are you doing? What is wrong with you? How dare you do that? Do you not know what's going on? And so on and so forth. If you become the security dictator, if you become the person that just says no to everything, that's like, oh my God, we're going to be completely owned, you know, and, and just get into this realm of madness, uh, no one's going to listen to you, ultimately, is what it's going to boil down to. Now, let me be clear. Security is probably one of the most important functions within an organization. But let me ask you something. How do you measure security don't and i'm not talking about audits i'm not talking about compliance frameworks i'm not talking about you know the local uh accountant's office coming down and making sure they're your pci compliant i'm not talking about that i'm talking about from a business perspective how are you measured in terms of how much value you bring to the business the short answer is it's really hard. It is really hard. We are, as security professionals, the rock that keeps the tiger away. We are measured not by what we accomplish, but rather what we prevent from occurring. How we can make sure that that is measurable, we can obviously take a look at our IDSs, we can take a look at our authentication logs, our firewall logs, we can take a look at all the denies that are coming in and say, look, look at the world that's coming to our door that's trying to do bad things, and they're not successful because we've blocked them. That's definitely one way to, to measure the worth. But for a lot of people, uh, senior management, if you have good senior management, they understand. They understand that security is necessary, especially in this day and age. It's not that long ago that we've had those major breaches, be it 
Target, be it Home Depot, be it Sony, you know, be it, uh, I just read recently Chipotle had uh, some malware on their point of sale systems and their approach to dealing with it is is a, an interesting one. If we have time later, I'll go through why I think that is. But in in this podcast, it is this, these soft skills that I want to talk about. So like I said, senior management, they'll get it. They'll get it if they if they're paying attention and if they're not paying attention, then chances are their board, uh, the board of directors is going to come in and say, well, how are you making sure? And if the board doesn't do it, your customers surely will. So for most early stage startups, security isn't really top of mind. Uh, if it is top of mind, uh, it will usually extend to the point of, hey, what does Microsoft offer us? Or what does Amazon offer us? Or what does Google offer us? Oh, cool. So they're going to basically help lock things down for us. That's awesome. Great. We can just focus on code and just build stuff and go. Now, obviously, for anyone that's built a SaaS, uh, that has any sort of web interface, anyone that's done any sort of development work, you know full well that that's not where security ends. It doesn't end. We've talked about this, right? There are steps that need to to occur to harden those environments even more, not just at the cloud provider level, but at the instance level as well. And then, of course, the applications themselves, right? Cross-site scripting is still a real thing right? Directory traversal is still a real thing. If you have a misconfigured web server, you're going to have problems. If you are not doing proper input sanitation, you are going to have problems, right? If you are not using some sort of parameterized SQL, you're going to have the risk of potentially running into SQL injection attacks, right? These are all things that are not just the responsibility of the security person, but also of members of other teams, right? So let's, let's take a look just at high level at some of the various teams within an organization and, and the relationships you want to kind of foster with them. And I, again, I don't care what level you are. I don't care if you're a CISO. I don't care if you're an analyst. I don't care if you're just a lonely grunt that maybe three days of the week you're a developer and two days of the week you're you're putting on a firewall hat just to keep the systems secure. There is going to come a time, if it hasn't already, where you are going to have to start working on some sort of security policy. And this security policy document is going to have to be shared with the organization and it's going to have to go from there because you're going to get a customer that's going to say, where is your security policy? I want to see it. And you can say, oh, we don't have one. And then you're going to run into some interesting uh, either delays or, you know, a customer walking away and saying, when you get your act together, then let us know. So where do you start? The first thing you want to do is you want to foster the relationships with senior management. You're never going to have a successful security policy unless you have the backing of senior management. You can 
do this a couple of different ways, right? Start with your immediate boss and say, look, we're going to need to come up with something. Maybe you report into uh, the CTO, maybe the VP of development, maybe, you know, whomever. Maybe you've got the CIO. Maybe you're in one of these organizations where you report into the CFO. That seems to be a thing that's happening um, in some more traditional offices, not necessarily the early stage startups. Chances are, if you're early stage, you're just a developer who happens to have a, a hankering for security and wanting to, you know, more or less keep your organization safe. And this is where you want to essentially go and talk to your talk to your immediate boss, talk to your supervisor, your director, your whomever, and be like, okay, look, we need to figure out what we're going to do for a security policy and what does that mean there's tons of resources out there on how to get started maybe we'll go and uh, go through a couple of examples later on uh, in future uh, podcasts but in this particular episode i want to talk about just starting that relationship starting that discussion explaining this is going to be important so a couple of key topics and a couple of key points that you're going to want to to do is First of all, don't be chicken little. Don't run around and say, oh my God, the sky is falling. If we don't do this, we're going to be owned in the next 24 hours and we're going to be completely screwed. Okay, put things into perspective. And probably the best way is just to say, look, we don't have a security policy. We need to have some sort of security policy in place. Uh, I'm looking to you for some guidance. Maybe you guys have done something at other places and can you remember some of the things that you've done? You know, try to get that level of involvement there and then start articulating what are the important things for our division? What What's important to us? Is it the code? Is it the application? Is it the service? Is it the platform? Is it, what is it? And, you know, enumerate those things, identify them, what is important. And essentially, we're starting that whole risk assessment procedure. We're identifying assets which are important to us. And then get your, you know, upper manager, senior manager to introduce you to the other teams and repeat the process. You know, try to understand what are the important pieces uh, offer suggestions on what you think might be the case, you know, and, but the most important thing is let the senior leadership drive this more than anything else. Start those, those risk assessments and then start identifying the risk and attack vectors. And then of course, start looking at impacts, costs, and so on and so forth. There's, there's a hundred and fifty trillion different risk assessment procedures that are out there. There are homegrown ones. There are the big, heavy ones. There are ones that are dictated by compliance frameworks. There's there's a ton of different uh, approaches that you can take. This is not unique to cloud security. I'm not going to harp on this. I'm, not, I'm definitely not doing it justice. For the love of God, please go out and look at some other stuff. I'll see if I can find us an expert and maybe have a separate podcast about how to perform risk assessments, because it is an important topic. This is something that we want to do. This is something that we want to um, revisit and review. 
especially when you're building those relationships with senior management. So this is definitely something you want to start with. If you're going to start anywhere, start with senior management, because if you don't have buy-in from them, when you start talking to your other teams, this is where things are going to get hairy. And this is where you're going to need someone who's going to have your back, because sometimes you're going to have to have someone that's going to have to be the, the parent and say, do it because I told you. And if that's you that wants to make that call and say, do it because I told you, be prepared to have someone who can back you up. Because if you say that to someone who's not in your direct reporting structure, they're going to go crying to their boss and it's going to trickle all the way up. And unless you have the backing of the senior manager or the senior leadership on that side of the house, you're just going to end up causing strife and chaos and resentment and anger and you become the dictator of security, which no one wants to talk to and, and all hell breaks loose. So start with senior management. Try to build those relationships. If you're an introvert, guess what? You're in the wrong business. If you want to be a security professional and you want to make sure, especially in a cloud environment, where chances are, like I said, if you're early stage startup, you're going to have to break out of that shell because you're going to have to have some interactions with some other folks. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. Uh, I was an introvert for a very long time. I still am. Uh, however, I do like speaking to other people. I've, I've learned to overcome that more or less. It, it's not easy, and I understand that, but this is what it is. Uh, so you want to, and if you want to be successful, uh, not just for yourself, but for your organization, then you know, just do your best, right? Do what you can. Keep it small if that makes it easier for you. Talk to individuals one at a time, something like that, something informal. Maybe you don't want to do a group of people, but maybe a couple of people at a time. You know, do some lunchtime discussions. You know, it's, it's, you can do it. Trust me, you can do it. So after you talk to senior management, who else do you want to talk to? Uh, IT is probably your next stop, I would say. Maybe you are IT. Uh, maybe you don't have traditional IT. Maybe you just have DevOps. Um, I find that tricky. Maybe you do just have DevOps and you don't have a dedicated IT person and, and maybe you are the IT person. Okay, well then go get a mirror and talk to yourself. Uh, make sure that you're willing to put in the effort, not just in terms of cloud, but also in terms of maybe some of the DevOps side of things. So, you know, we discussed this last week with some DevOps tools like Chef and Puppet and Ansible, uh, and then some infrastructure DevOps tools like CloudFormation and Terraform. You do want to make sure that these deployment scripts, these de deployment tools, maybe you're using Jenkins for deployment, for continuous uh, deployment and continuous integration. You're going to want to get from a DevOps perspective, get buy-in from that team as well to make sure that the low-level instances that you're using are secured and using a DevOps tool just makes that that much easier. You, the use of golden images is great. But in addition to that, new laptops that are sent given out to people within your organization, whoever's in charge of that, and that's kind of the more traditional IT role, you want to have a similar approach to that. Do you have uh, firewalls installed on those individual machines? 
do any of those individual machines store PII, the personal identifiable information? If they do, have you considered full disk encryption for those? What does that look like? How is that going to impact the users? What about bring your own device, uh, company devices? What about removable devices? What about acceptable use? What about you know having some level of monitoring on your internal networks? Looking for rogue access points if you if you have Wi-Fi enabled within your organization, which I mean, who honestly who doesn't? You know all these sorts of things. These are things that these are more traditional uh, security topics. And if you think because you're a cloud-based uh, enterprise and you're going out to the cloud and that's where you're hosting everything, then that's where your focus should be. Well, no, that should be your primary focus because that's where your, your application is going to lay and uh, that's where your, your offering is going to be, be it a pass, be it a SaaS. Um, be it an infrastructure as a service, maybe. The point is still, you still have an organization and that organization still has users and those users, a subset of them will have access to your cloud uh, offering. And that's still an attack vector for someone who wants to come after you. I mean, phishing attacks and spear phishing and so on and just social engineering in general they don't care that you're completely cloud-based they will come after you regardless of where you are and they'll always try to go for the weakest link right so these are the things that you need to you need to be aware of in terms of uh, security doesn't just stop at the devops layer or at the cloud layer if you have internal it like the people who are responsible for getting those laptops set up that's still important you know, to foster that relationship, you know, do you have antivirus installed? The benefits of antivirus aside, you know, do you have that installed on your individual machines, right? If you're going to have something like PCI compliance, that's going to be a requirement. You are going to have to have antivirus. Um, and, you know, you want to make sure that you have these relationships in place. So, when senior management decides that they want to go and get that PCI compliance or they want to get the uh, SOC 2 compliance or, you know, maybe they want to go for uh, HIPAA compliance because they're in healthcare, the IT department is going to be involved because there's going to be internal changes that, potentially that are going to need to be happening. And there may or may not be well-versed in, in the uh, security requirements. And they'll be turning to you and they may turn to you in an angry way and say, why the hell didn't you tell us that we needed to do all these things? Now look at all the work that we have to do. This is, this is crazy, like what is wrong with you? And so if you can at least get those relationships early on, or if they view you as someone who's like, you're making me do all this work and you're not telling me why, you're just saying, do this and do this. No, you can't do that. Because let's be honest, in the world of security professionals, again, we are generally a introverted, jaded group because we see the dangers that the big bad internet has we know what black hats are capable of we know that you know there are 
fairly large organized mobs out there. We know that everything from social engineering to Trojans to uh, even hypervisor level rootkits and malware up the yin yang and all this evil, evil group of uh, nefarious ne'er do wellers, to borrow a phrase from uh, <laughs> the uh, Breaking Down Security guys, who I think got it from Michael Goff. Um, this, you know, we, we, we fear an awful lot and we know that, Hey, we can do better. We can make things safer. And oftentimes what we do is we get angry with people who don't take us seriously. And, you know, we have to keep that, we have to keep that attitude in check again. Uh, and this kind of goes into the next group that you want to talk to, and this is your development group. All right. And I'm calling out development specifically because especially in an early stage company, the devs are often the people who rule the roost simply because they are the guys that are trying to build that product, build that offering, build that service, build that whatever that's going to get you paid. Right. And they are the rock stars for the early stages of the startup, the early uh, migration to the cloud, right? These are the guys who are like running on Red Bull and Adderall and whatever else, and just going 95 trillion miles per hour trying to get stuff. And the minute you start talking about security and you're saying, well, I don't want you to have direct access to to your production servers all oh, the chaos that will erupt you're putting up roadblocks man i can't do this i can't i can't do my job because i don't have access to the server um even doing something as simple as setting up a bastion box or, or a jump box or, or some sort of intermediate host so you're not connecting directly to your application server for example that you actually have to go through and uh, for all intents and purposes, a, a, a jump box, like a VPN, uh, VPN is another option as well. You, you're going to have people complaining, well, I can't access it from home and I need to be able to do that in case something goes wrong in the middle of the night. Well, work, work out the kinks and do it early, you know, sit down with those that are the most angry and the most vocal. And again, this is where it's going to come into uh, getting that support from senior leadership. If you don't have your, your senior management, your senior leadership on your side, then what's going to happen is you're going to have developers who are going to complain and they're going to go up to their boss who may be your boss as well and say, I can't do my job because, you know, John's getting in my way and he's saying, I've got to do this extra stuff and I don't like it because we didn't do it before. Why do we have to do it now? So if you can nip it in the bud early, then all the better, you know, and, and you're going to have other things like no testing on live systems, right? That's a big one, especially if you have a, a young development group, they don't understand that. What do you mean? I can't just deploy live Facebook does it. We're not Facebook. Okay. Facebook is also, and, and it's not necessarily true anymore. I think it was at one point, and I'm just going to put a disclaimer there. I don't know what Facebook does now in terms of their deployment system, if they still allow developers from day one to have access directly to production. 
if they do, well, you know what? That's their prerogative. That's not necessarily the way that I would recommend anyone do it. You know, but say Levy, you know, there there are best practices. We've gone through some of them. Uh, there's a lot more to go through in terms of securing cloud environments, but development is probably going to be your biggest group to um, try to win over. And from multiple perspectives, you need to understand where the developers are coming from. They want to build a product and they want to do it as quickly as they can with as little impact to their working schedule as possible um or any sort of roadblocks like again even ssh access if they have it because they're using let's say you're using linux servers and they want to be able to ssh to the box so that they can view the logs for example maybe there's application logs that are stored there you know and, and the fact that now you've got to go through three different steps to get there uh, that's gonna that's gonna drive them nuts and they're gonna say look i can't do my job something's gone wrong and i'm trying to get to the server as fast as possible and it's taking me 20 minutes because for some reason um, i forgot to change the permissions on my private key and now it's not letting me through and i don't know what the hell's going on or the bastion box has been firewalled to only allow ips uh, from the office and i'm trying to do it from home and i don't know what my home IP is, or maybe I do, but I can't get in touch with the security guy to let me uh, open up the firewall to let me in. And, you know, this is just crazy. And then you're going to have these discussions. Well, why is this happening? How is this going on? So there's always ways to mitigate this. So don't come in with the almighty hammer and saying, this is you, this is how it is now. You're going to do it because it's good for you. And it is, uh, the secure way to do things because you're just going to become again you become that security dictator no one's going to take you seriously no one's going to want to have discussions with you and when you do that first pen test you're going to come back and say look we've got uh, cross-site scripting vulnerabilities we're not securing our cookies um, we've got a bunch of stuff in plain text just lying around here it looks like we've got a sql vulnerability or two a sql injection i mean uh, vulnerability or two like these are high priority issues guys we really got to get on these you're going to get a lot of apathy like oh yeah well how much time is this going to take and you know i would I'm, like i'm working on this feature you can you know you go find somebody else to do it and you know, i'm not going to bother doing it and so on and so forth um and uh, of course along with that you know, if you're waiting for that first pen test to find these things, you might want to revisit your your testing as well. See if you can at least do some vulnerability assessments, you know, even just using something as as simple as Nikto uh, to, to do uh, basic web testing, for example, if you have a web-based application. Um, just looking for stuff, OWASPs, Zap, you know, even Burp Suite in the free edition, you know, try to learn these tools. If you're, if you want to be a security professional, if you want to get into these, uh, into these, uh, these nuances, these, yeah, not nuances, what am I trying to say? See, this is what happens when you don't have show notes, guys. Uh, I just start babbling and, and, uh, things, things go awry. Um, but there, there are tools that are out there that can help you in the 
uh, application development process looking for threats that you can do proactively as opposed to waiting for a third party to come in and tell you all the things that you've done wrong. Um, you can you can do these things uh, before you hit production or before shortly after you hit production, or at least more than say annually uh, when you'd normally do a penetration test or, or something along those lines. But development is is basically that's your bolded underlined group that you want to pay very close attention to because this is the group that you're probably going to be working with the most, um, especially in a cloud environment, especially if you're going to be doing any sort of SaaS or PaaS uh, offerings, right? These are the groups you want to really get along with and try to try to help. Okay, so this brings us to the last group of people, which is everybody else. So as we discussed, you know, you don't want to be that security dictator. You don't want to be the guy that's the big scary guy, which is ironic for me to say because that's exactly who I was when I started. And I guess I still am for a lot of people. And that's something that I'm, <clears throat> that is something that I'm trying to deal with right now uh not to be that big scary guy yes security is important sometimes there are certain individuals where you do have to play a heavier hand because they just don't take it seriously they just don't get it and going to their management will take you so far um Oftentimes, I don't like going that route unless I absolutely have to. I'd much rather try to a, to a degree, uh, just deal with the situation at a at a interpersonal level. However, that's not always guaranteed to work, and sometimes you know you will have to uh, be a bit of a dictator for certain individuals just so that they get it. And if that fails, I mean, don't take it too far follow up with their managers and follow up with their, you know, senior leadership and say, look, you've got a problem here, but put it into perspective and give them examples of what could potentially happen if this person continues to sort of skirt security. And often, more often than not, uh, just a quick refresher or a quick note from their manager or lead will we'll just sort everything out. Now for the other teams, the biggest thing you want to do is get that security awareness training uh, done. You want to make yourself known, get some security awareness training. Um, get that shared out with your team and follow up with it. Do some lunch and learns. Uh, invite everybody, get something out of your budget. If you're a small enough team, put it out of your own pocket if you have to. But make sure that people know who you are make sure that they know to approach you in case there's anything odd going on or, or whatever else. And again, just try to maintain those touch points. Go for coffee, say hello to people, you know, ask how things are going. Just try to keep up to date with what's going on with people. The more approachable you are, the better the chance that you're going to get the results that you're looking for. So some interesting stories. I did promise that this would be a podcast with, uh, with some stories. Uh, we had some security awareness training at a company that I worked at, and it was around phishing attempts. 
and just sort of be aware that there's some phishing attempts. Uh, specifically, we had some the uh, the CEO fraud, uh, which is what it's called sometimes. This is where somebody impersonates your CEO and says <clears throat> they try to do. It's almost like a spear phishing attack. They try to find the individuals who are responsible for um, any sort of finance or money transfer or whatever else, and they then pose as the CEO saying, look, we've got an urgent deal. I need you to transfer X number of dollars from our account to this uh, Western Union or whatever else. It's usually some sort of wire transfer that they want. And more often than not, what they try to do is they're actually trying to impersonate the CEO. They'll try to look for how that CEO speaks, uh, be it at uh, um, conferences or interviews or whatever else. And they try to use the same language uh, to really mess with people. So we had a couple of cases of this, and thankfully we've got some controls in place that, that kind of stopped it from happening. The first controls were not the best, but they did, uh, they did stop it. And then we made things a bit better, um, being a little more strict, like for example, making sure that we get verbal confirmation and nothing goes through without verbal confirmation. Um, or if verbal confirmation isn't available, we do something else. Um, and you know, we're not going to obviously get into that because I don't want that, uh, to get back to that organization and, and bite them in the butt. But anyway, suffice it to say, there's other mechanisms that we can use. Verbal communication is probably the easiest one. So we had a couple of cases of that, none successful, but we sent an, a gentle email reminder out to everyone, reminding them be careful about what's going on uh, with emails and be careful of scams and phishing attempts and so on and so forth. Well, one of the people in, I believe it was in marketing, was having her birthday and some of the people in sales who were friends with her decided to send her an online greeting card. Now, I don't know what service they used, but she refused to open this, this email because it was from an unknown sender. It had some strange verbiage in it. And there was just like, no, nope, not going to do it. She was panicking. She was literally running around trying to figure out what the hell is going on. I don't want to do this. And then the sales guys came over and they're like, did you like it? And she's like, what are you talking about? And they said, did you like the birthday card we sent you? And she's like, you sent me that? And she's like, yeah, didn't you open it? No, I thought it was some sort of phishing thing. And, you know, and John was freaking me out. So, you know, I didn't open it. And, oh, man, the uproarious laughter. They told me about it afterwards. And I was proud of her. I said, look, she did the right thing. You guys, with all, you know, with all your good intentions, you know, you, you scared her and she followed procedure. She saw an email that she didn't recognize from an unknown sender and it had an attachment or rather it was a link to go, go here to view your card. <laughs> no way. She was not having it. Um, I was incredibly proud of that moment. We got a good giggle out of it for sure. But this kind of raises the, the point of um, more often than not. The road to hell is paved in good intentions. And I'll give you some really classic examples. One of, uh, so in another position that I was in um, a couple of companies ago, we had some people that were hired for pen testing. We actually had an on, we had pen testers on staff and 
they would be contracted out for customers and whatnot. And one of their favorite uh, sort of exploits was to scatter USB drives in the parking lot. And I warn every company that I've ever worked with, be careful of the lost USB key uh, or the USB drive. But human nature is to, well, two things, we're curious. So people will pick up that drive, they will plug it in and they will try to either see what's on it, see how big it is so maybe they can use it for themselves or try to identify who might have lost their key so that they can uh, give it back to them. And, you know, this is how infections happen. You know, it's good nature for people to want to, you know, try to do good, try to do right. Sometimes it's greed, sometimes it's selfishness, but for the most part, it's, it's goodness. You know, the classic tailgater or the piggybacker, the person who, oh, I'm sorry, I just forgot my key at home. Uh, can you let me in? or uh, following close behind, uh, they've got a fake badge that, you know, when they try to open the door, it doesn't, it'll beep, or the light will turn red, but there'll be some sort of interaction, unless someone's paying attention, they may not notice that that's actually an invalid key. And so they'll let the first person in, they'll badge in, the second person will badge in, uh, with an invalid badge, but the first person's already opened the door and, you know, there you go. Um, so something that you might want to consider doing is if you are in situations like that, and if you're in a uh, facility where you do have badging and whatnot, um, again, I'm diverging. You, you guys will notice this when I'm doing stuff off script. I tend to jump around quite a bit, so I apologize in advance, but... Unfortunately, uh, this is just how I am. So uh, hopefully future podcasts will be a little more focused. But regardless, in the case of, of piggybacking or, or tailgating and, of uh, people and whatnot, the difference between the two is uh, basically the interaction with the person. Um, is the person trying to get in interacting with the uh, legitimate user, the legitimate employee and trying to get in? If they are, it's piggybacking. If they're not and they're just trying to sneak in, that's tailgating. You know, the more you know. But anyway, um, you know, it, it, in situations like that, open the door and ask them to badge in. And if their badge doesn't work, like pay attention to the badge reader. Um, or if you don't recognize the person they're trying to get in, you know, ask them who they are, obviously, and, and so on. And this this is the type of training that you want to have for your end users. So if you're looking for good end user training and you've got no budget, <clears throat> definitely take a look at Cybrary. Uh, I'll provide a link. They actually have an end user security awareness uh, training uh, program. Uh, it's definitely worth looking at if, uh, if not for people to just, you know, take the training directly. At the very least, it'll give you some uh, good resources to start with for any sort of internal program that you've got. But anyway, guys, with that, I just want to wrap this up. Um, hopefully you found it somewhat informative. Hopefully I didn't babble too much uh, with this one. But obviously, like I said, the first, you want to build these relationships. The first relationship you want to build with is uh, senior management. They have to be behind you no matter what. 
um, without their support, any sort of security program you want to uh, to have, regardless if you're cloud-based, regardless if you are uh, more traditional data center, or even um, within your internal enterprise, you need to have support of senior management and senior leadership, or you will not have a successful uh, time in any sort of security role that you have. Um, that's the first relationship you want to, to build and the first relationships you want to keep going. Um, and then of course, from there, you want to foster those relationships with the IT and DevOps teams, um, especially in a cloud environment. DevOps will be more nimble, uh, definitely will be more uh, forthcoming. Uh, and and more interested for the most part because obviously they want to do a great job as well um, and, and IT if you can foster that relationship as well because again remember you still have environments within your internal offices there will be people responsible for that if that's you or someone else you still need to have that security mindset in that department um, and then development, especially in cloud development, especially early on, again, these early stage uh, companies, development rules the roost. But if you don't get that culture of security put in place early, it becomes much harder to get it later on. But at the same time, if you come down with an iron fist and saying no to everything, you know, you become that security dictator nobody wants to listen to, nobody wants to talk to, and you will have some very smart people trying to work around any sort of controls that you have. If you can build that relationship, try to understand what people are doing, and, you know, try to be a team player. Don't let the jadedness get in your way. Don't let this, you know, it's very easy to feel like the most powerful person in, in the office because, yes, I've got control, and, and yes, there's going to be some innate fear from certain individuals, but you don't want to, you know, let that get to your head. Remember, this is, it's, it boils down very simply to you are the rock that keeps the tiger away, but when that tiger comes to bite, you have to be ready and be prepared for the potential outcome of that. So that's not, uh, that's kind of the reality that we live in. If you are Mr. No, 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 you have a breach and you don't handle that breach well for whatever reason. Maybe you didn't catch it for, I don't know, 96 days or something. Um, or you didn't find out about it until the FBI came to your door and said, hey, we got some data here think it's yours mind if we help you figure out what happened you know there's going to be questions that have to be answered and if those answers are not satisfactory and you can't pass the buck you can't just say well if you listen to me you know three months ago or six months ago or whatever else then this wouldn't have happened you know that's not an acceptable answer right you need to um do you need to do right you need to do what you can right and keep that in the back of your mind so when that desire to become that dictator that desire to be the uh you know the most powerful person in the organization or at least that's what you think you are well here's a hint you're not um you know let let that be the reminder right you're the tigers or you're the rock that keeps the tiger tiger away but the tiger may come one day more than likely will so how are you going to be ready?
when that happens. And having those relationships ahead of time will get you a little bit of leeway. It'll get you a little bit of credibility. It will get you a bit of understanding. So, but anyway, with that, uh, thank you for listening. And if you're looking for the website for the podcast, it is uh, myheadinthe.cloud. You guys can find me on Twitter at John's Not Here. Uh, we have a Facebook page, My Head in the Cloud. Uh, I'm on PeerList as well for you security professionals that are on PeerList. Uh, you can just look me up. And with that, stay safe and have a great week. Mm-hmm.